That is the music of Dr. Deborah Stroman, UNC faculty member, University of Virginia professor, former coach, former player, sports businesswoman extraordinaire, and of course, host of If You Only Knew right here on 97.9 The Hill, which you can hear every weekend. She joins me each Friday to talk about the biggest storylines in sport and inter- interconnecting that with business. Deb, happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday. It is kind of gloomy out, but we have to remember that the sun is shining right now, and there are wonderful things to be grateful for, including sports. Yes, yes, so much to be grateful for if you are a Tar Heel fan. There was a big, big night in women's basketball last night, especially here in Chapel Hill, as we've been talking about uh, for a good bit today. UNC upsetting number 6 NC State 80-70. to That's a huge win for rivalry purposes, but a huge win for the Carolina women's basketball program, Deb, in a year where they have lately kind of stumbled in conference play. They've been so injured. They seem their depth eaten away, and yet... They had a top-line performance last night from their stars and from their bench. So I want to start there, Deb. What did last night's win tell you about this group? And you were able to be there in person. What was that atmosphere like? The atmosphere was great. It's always great with UNC and NC State home or away. Both, I would say the path travel really, really well to, tra- to Chapel Hill. Um, we don't travel as much over to uh, NC State. Do we have a good crowd? Yes. But in Carmichael Arena, NC State fans were there, loud, wearing red, and it just helped to enhance the competitive spirit because when NC State would do something well, the crowd roared, as in their fans. And when the Tar Heels did something great, the crowd roared, as in Carolina fans. So it was great opportunity for people to see top women's basketball right here in our own backyard. Yeah, and with them picking up that win, despite having a bunch of injured guards right now and having to play Deja Kelly and Lexi Donarski almost the entire game, what does that tell you about this Tar Heel team that looked really shaky for a little bit, had dropped several games in a row, close games to competition, but last night it never really felt all that close in the second half. What does that tell you about this Tar Heel group? Well, two things. The first thing I'm thinking about tradition. Even though... They've had injuries. Uh, They've had some debatable coaching moves. Uh, They've had uh, to play against some of the best teams in the country. That's what happens when the ACC, Carolina, stepped up. They cared more about the, the words on the front of the jersey than on the back of the jersey. They really rallied together as in we are UNC. We're circled as the number one game on most teams' schedules because they want to beat us, and we have to protect our home court. So tradition. The other thing I will say, Courtney Banghart comes into this season in her fifth year. She's in the hot seat. I know she signed an an extension, but Carolina women's basketball is supposed to be in the top four. And so what can she do? People are starting to make some noise. People are saying, well, you, you, you beat this team, but then you lose to Virginia. Courtney Banghart did a great job last night. She was flexible. She changed things up. What I really liked, was seeing Alexandra uh, Zelaya. Zelaya. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we call a stretch five. She let her shoot. She had the green light, maybe a bit too much for some fans, but (laughs) she dropped some big threes. And NC State, other teams aren't prepared for this. If they can really put together a good solid 20 minutes of a stretch five, expanding the court, I think this is a team that could do something in March Madness. So we'll see. I'm not sure if uh, Zenlaya is ready for this uh, big move, 
Uh, but what happened last night was magical, and it worked. Magical, I think, is is the correct term. And, and you know, they've just not been too far in their other games against really big teams. And they've got another one coming up on Sunday against Virginia Tech, who right now is at the top of the ACC standings. Of course, Carolina lost in overtime to the Hokies, kind of heartbreaking fashion in some ways uh, just a couple weeks ago here in Chapel Hill. So this is another opportunity for them to try and make a statement and also, Deb, you know, kind of claw back up the ACC standings. They were at the top in the first five or six games of conference play and have really slipped down. You often talk about the ACC being the toughest women's basketball conference around. That, I think, has really been showcased these last few years. And UNC, despite their stumbles, still has a shot at a double bye in the ACC tournament if they can get back up into the top four. How important do you think that would be for this team, not only in terms of just their their spirit and their momentum, but also in terms of being able to try and you know further secure better seeding, not just for the ACC tournament, but the NCAA tournament? It is all that and then some. It's also for recruiting because mm. Carolina was, doesn't want to be known as a team that's in the middle of the ACC because most people don't peel away, look behind the curtain, and see that to be in the middle of the ACC is a, is a solid team. But most people are saying, were you in the top four? And so Carolina needs to get this win. Is, will it break the season? Will it harm our chances for the ACC tournament? Absolutely not. But Carolina would like to get a solid road win in Blacksburg, which is very, very difficult. I'm hopeful that Carolina fans will travel if there are any seats available because <laughs> Virginia Tech tends to sell out big games now because they have Kitley, because they have more. Uh, but I think it would do great thing for their confidence and for recruiting. We're speaking with Dr. Deborah Stroman here on 97.9 The Hill, talking UNC women's basketball. And uh, we will have plenty of time still in this season to continue covering the Tar Heels. I do want to shift to the national women's college basketball landscape as there are two pretty big benchmarks and storylines that are worth mentioning. Uh, last week, Iowa's Caitlin Clark broke the NCAA scoring record for a career passing. Kelsey Plum uh, did it in style as well with a logo three-pointer. It seems like classic Caitlin Clark fashion. That was last week, and she continues to just be absolutely box office, Deb, and draw these huge crowds to away games, not even just home games for Iowa. But Dawn Staley also hit a very big benchmark last night, too, a personal one passing win six. 600. Pretty remarkable for both of them. And just the women's game has so much star power right now. There's so many different things to celebrate. And, and both of those are major, major accomplishments. Well, there's no doubt. And I will start off with Caitlin Clark. Uh, she has definitely brought many, many more eyeballs to the game. She broke the scoring record. Now she's going after Pete Maravich's record, which would be another, I can't even say incredible, because what she's done has already been incredible. But another record that she broke, uh, NIL, name, image, and likeness. Um, I think it was a 2021 Supreme Court ruling that allowed student-athletes to make money off their personal brand. Well, Caitlin Clark's jersey and shirt, she is now the number one as in for Fanatics, which is the top-selling collegiate branding where people get jerseys and stuff. Mm -hmm. Every, many people go to Fanatics. She is the number one college athlete since they started doing college apparel, as in she sold more merchandise than any other individual men's or women's in college sports since we started NIL. So she's breaking records, drawing attention. Uh, they had a tough loss last night, but they're, they're March Madness ready. And then Dawn Staley, 
uh, what what else can she do? She broke right. the 600 mark. And uh, it's not only notable because of the numbers, but considering how she continues to outcoach most coaches because she has roster changes, whether it's injuries, whether it's losing players to the WNBA or graduation, she continues to win and win big. She is absolutely remarkable in South Carolina. UNC played them relatively close earlier this year. They, I mean, they just haven't lost this season, Deb. They're they're in an incredible, incredible run here and have to be national title favorites again. And I think both with South Carolina and with Iowa, the exciting part is those teams have been so good that you just know you just want them to get to the NCAA tournament already because it's their seasons are going to be defined how they do there. Yeah, it's really going to depend on these national rankings and uh, who will get upset over these next uh, two weeks, the tournaments. Uh, but it would be nice if there were a number one South Carolina uh, going against uh, number two Iowa. Uh, but we can't rule out Stanford. Again, Tara Vanderveer, uh, the winningest coach in college basketball, she's just doing an amazing job. You can't um, rule out some of these top SEC teams. Um, and even, you know, there's some West Coast that's playing pretty well. Oregon State, uh, Southern Cal, UCLA. So it should be a great March Madness for women's basketball. Yeah, and can only hope that the sports star continues to rise and that we will be treated to some fantastic hoops there. I do, in our final few minutes, Deb, want to transition to another college sports story, this time uh, in the biggest college sport of all, college football. The College Football Playoff Committee has now officially approved expansion uh, set to be put into place, I believe, in 2025, and it's going to be the 5 plus 7 model, so way more teams involved than just the four that we have seen and there's all kinds of breakdowns I'm sure tons of people will be just happy that more teams are included but I wanted to ask you this and to kind of round out our conversation today what are the business ramifications of including more teams because I think everybody will look and for the competition side sure that's great but you know we all know that these decisions are made with money in mind so what are what, yeah. what's your perspective on the business ramifications here for the CFP expanding well they are definitely making a lot of money and now they're going to make even more money. So, yes, it's the economics. You know, I'm old school. I like having four teams, uh, but I also understand the subjectivity, uh, and I'm still uh, rather disturbed the way Florida State was treated mm-hmm. uh, this past year, having done so well with the ACC and not getting a slot. Uh, so you have to address that. And it's seemingly the only answer was to expand. Uh, so, again, the side uh, niceness benefit for the – uh, football programs for uh, those who manage the bowls is that more money will be made. Uh, the downside, though, is to con- there's a lot to consider here. Um, the first thing I think about is the watering down. Um, will this just ensure more blowouts and discourage teams from even attempting to reach like those dynasty type levels, like the uh, the people that put so much emphasis on football, like Georgia, like Alabama. Uh, some of the other SEC teams. And I note the SEC because uh, there's a minimum number of teams that you have to have to participate in Division One sports. And off the top of my head, I want to say it's either 14 or 16. Well, the SEC is right there at that number. Whereas the ACC, considering Carolina, um, you know, Virginia, uh, I know those programs go anywhere from 28 to 30 teams and trying to support them. But in some locations, some schools, it's all about college football. 
everybody else will give you, you know, a nice opportunity to compete, but everything will go towards football. So who can compete with that? And some of these top programs like the Alabama, like Georgia, there are some athletes who are quoted as saying when they get to the NFL, it's like a drop down in terms of facilities and support. And then I'm wondering what the change will be with the actual financials, uh, because right now in terms of revenue distribution, uh, teams that uh, make it, I want to say, to the semifinals, they make, they make about $6 million. Uh, and now what will happen um, if you continue to bring in more and more teams? Uh, what I can, I guess you could say, guesstimate is that there's going to be a lot of people pitching major corporations, a lot of sales going on right now yeah. uh, saying you need to be a part of this event and you need to pay to play. Yep, yep, make it even more like the Super Bowl in that way too where it becomes almost a business convention beyond what's just happening on the field but as we know that has almost always been the case when it comes to big time college sports well we always appreciate your insight deb thanks so much for talking hoops and talking football and look forward to chatting with you on stroman on sports again next week thank you go heels